Chapter 6, The Lament. Now, I have to be current and honest with you all that this is the third time that Tina and I have recorded this chapter. It has mysteriously disappeared in the technical world. And I guess it is inspiring or invoking or catalyzing us to be in the lament of the moment. So with that, I dedicate this chapter to um, all of us in the lament of these times and to um, turn into it and then to find a little bit of joy on the other side, which is how Tina and I are beginning today, laughing and crying at the loss of chapter six. Here we go once again. Yesterday, there were 50, not 15, 50 jellies at our place. Now, I say our place as it is natural for me to make or call home wherever I am. And yet, as I write it, as I say it, I, I feel it's not quite true in this case. Whether rented or owned here on this water's edge, I feel I actually do not belong. Some friends own this spot of beauty and offered it to us for a great discount to be as close to the ocean water that I continually long to touch, to breathe, and to be in. And it seems no mistake. I am here gazing out of huge windows of view only as the jellies have their last day in their way. Slowly, as I watch them, I come to a view, yes, a view and a lens on this time and place, one that's not so easy to share or enjoy. Each day it has been hard to know what is fog, what is natural for this time of year, or what is smoke from California and Oregon fires burning quite nearby. Yesterday was the fall equinox, marking the beginning of the harvest, a place of dreaming and intuition, healing and introspection, at least as I was taught by some. Called the West Shield by Stephen Foster and Meredith Little, place of death, increasing darkness on the seasonal clock of the Northern Hemisphere. A place where the soul resides, where our ancestors are alive, accessible, remembered. And so it is, driving home from the little local market six miles away, that we come upon five police cars, lights on, everyone at a standstill. This was not a demonstration or protest. This was a fatal accident. The officer told us that our road home would be closed indefinitely. Now there's a story. Walking in the lagoon at sunset a half hour earlier, we had noticed some dark gray clouds in the air. Smoke or fog, I had said to Wynne. No, we both agreed it was a fire. And then we heard the sirens and watched the trucks go by. 
It's in the direction, I said, of our home. We examined again what could be lost. Shit, what burner we might have left on, even. The fires, the smoke, the death of George Floyd. We are all affected, all complicit, all accountable. Do we really need accountability partners to bring this to our attention? Looking out the window, here, anywhere, seems enough any day. Walking in any town with my eyes and ears and hearts open, slowing down enough to feel the body, to feel my body, to feel the earth's body. Any place I buy food, I'm part of the system. Any water I drink, any Western medicine I take, Sure, we, you, maybe some can grow our own or buy our own food at a farmer's market, dig a well, and use natural herbs for our ailments, and then ask again, what or who is served by choosing to be a healthy cell in the madness by using and hopefully sharing such a privilege? I say, yeah, hopefully, some lives are served. My simple mantra has been to do what I can, when I can, where I can, the best I can. And so far, it keeps me here, just barely. The last two weeks, I have lost my appetite for most everything or any of it. I actually wonder how people live in Point Reyes and are at peace knowing what goes on just over the bridge. It sometimes seems I don't have any practice strong or deep enough to maintain peace being this close to the fire. Last week, we walked to the Marconi Center, an historic place of communications. It was completely shut down looking like a modern ruin amidst a forest of huge pine trees, those still bastions of great beauty. They, however, had a disease as well, and they were dying. All were planted at the same time. Their old age would take its toll in our lifetime, and they would all go at once. Death was in the air again. Walking back, we stopped at one of the few roadside seafood attractions that was still open even in COVID. We ordered the famed oysters to have a sample of that local delicacy. Now, here I'm not complaining, but I, I'm just bearing witness. I paid $3.50 for just one of those tiny little, I have to say, had to be one of the world's smallest oysters, at least that I had ever seen. A couple at the counter next to us had the same serving, only they added on a full bottle of wine at four in the afternoon. Now, to me, that seemed a strange time of day, if not year, to be celebrating anything with a full bottle of wine. 
oh, who am I to say? But then I remembered reading in the local paper, police blotter, every other arrest in this uptown beautiful Point Reyes was for drunkenness on the street and in the home. One leading not so long ago to a murder of an ex-boyfriend. She then, quote, turned herself in. Where and what do we turn ourselves into? To be housed in yet another overfilled prison where COVID thrives and even more crimes rather than re-education or re-membering or re-sourcing continues? Who is to blame and punish for such crimes anyway? Here, where it's so evident the big gaps between the so-called rich and poor exist, who is really to blame for that? Not the local fisherman, continuing the legacy of his family, his small house, now overshadowed by the million-dollar weekly rentals where oyster eaters like me are visiting. He is happy for our visit. This complicity thing is complicated. Generational, historical, what some will say perhaps stems from a class one permaculture error, an error at the root. What many indigenous people have implored us to see for way too long, that we have lost our way long ago. Many write about it all and speak to it far better than I. I only write now not to be an author, but more to move on with my way. My own experience is part of the problem. To say it aloud as I do the dream and find some meaning and medicine in the distance that I might receive from simply saying it, stepping back, naming, and changing. The morning we began our drive over the Sierras to arrive here at this shore, there was so much smoke I could barely see the wharf. I could barely see this watering hole that has resourced so many. I had a significant lump in my throat. That phrase is sometimes used to refer to fear. Perhaps that was part of it. I was scared for the more I would see and feel, headed into a greater metropolitan area, civilization. Only now, two weeks later, after fearing the large lump, the disease it might be as much as what I would find in arriving here, I've finally gotten the results from the doctor. The thickness in my throat are thyroid cysts. Luckily for me, they look to be benign. And the lump, the intense coughing, well, the doc says, most likely a respiratory virus on top of all the smoke. Now, having moved into my stomach, my whole intestinal tract is painful to the touch. 
My God, it's the COVID symptoms. It's like COVID, but without having COVID. Well, it's natural to go that route for these types of things, the doc says. So I take the medicine she offers me and then get more disease from the cure. Oh, lucky me, thrush in my mouth, yeast infection in my vagina, my apertures, my thresholds of connection, organs of transmission in love, they are all inflamed. Systemic candida. Ha, the systems are off in my body. Another mirror of the world, earth, body. I can take the cough syrup to get one night of sleep, yet deep rest will not be had without the root of the unrest being addressed. Living in community when ill, well, that's challenging as well as helpful. When so many care, when they want to know how you are, when they long to hear and to be of support, I watched my beloved get anxious as I go down yet again. I usually say, I'll, I'll tell you when I'm better, so I don't just keep repeating the bad, sad news. And he worries. Where are you? Where did you go? And here, now at the side of the road, He actually wants to leave. He wants to leave with all these sirens and the cops. He wants to leave knowing that death is so nearby. He's willing to drive around on another route for over an hour on windy roads rather than sit here indefinitely. Well, I get it. Because the officer said, I don't know how long it will be. Could be an hour. And we're only three or so miles from so-called home where we are staying. But I say, is that so long, really? Because I know I must stay. I sense the road will be so-called cleared actually before an hour. But that's not why I have to stay. We're here for a reason. I feel that always and now. The reason is to be with death. This death just happened on this road yet again, on the eve of the equinox. And we, we are passage guides after all. A motorcyclist came to the curve. I can only imagine he, she, or they leaned into it going fast as so many others do here and then hit sand, a pebble, dirt, avoided another car passing too close or just miscalculated. The curve over the edge, 30 feet down. Fire, smoke, death came pretty quickly. Though I don't know their name or their story at all, I can send a prayer of passage for their soul's journey. 
Here, one more life along this edge taken or lost, gone. We are at the big curve, leaning in, many say already, over the edge. I remember the bicyclists at that seafood bar on the other side of the counter, dressed like bumblebees, kind of in a feed frenzy after what must have been an exhilarating ride on this highway. I thought as I saw them that they were going awfully fast as well, madly bicycling on this road, almost too dangerous to drive, trying, working to get away from it all. In the face of death in such curves, in the face of death, no shoulders. Why? Why are we so many speeding? I suspect we are all on the spectrum of grief. Whether here in the city, in the protest, whichever side unhappy with what is. Gated communities won't insulate or isolate too much longer. Or will they? My brother this week sent me a Zillow listing of the house that we grew up in. Back then, I remembered so well the three-acre bare field. It looked like wilderness to me. No one ever could have lived there before. It was on a brand newly built road called Half Mile. I remember thinking what an unromantic name of what was to be our future, Half Mile. My parents, then moving upward, designed the classic New England three-bedroom house, and they had it built, and we all planted the fruit trees. Now, 60 years later, it's three times bigger. Six bedrooms, landscaping that belongs in Versailles, and out of place if not foreign to a country lane, the sale price now $2.8 million. Now that is someone's definition of progress. Bigger, better, richer. We left long ago, and yet I feel I or we, we've not fully left this story of progress in our world. I know after two weeks of considering it all, that I could not or rather would not live here in Point Reyes, even to be closer to my beloved teacher, the ocean, the whales, the jellies, the birds. That was and is my dream still, having left the Irish shore and gone west, having left the Connecticut shore and gone west, Having migrated west from Colorado to the Pacific, I am still in the west, and somehow, today at least, not home yet. As I work to live into the dream, however, there is no arriving on the shoreline, 
I keep leaning into the curve, the great turning we are in, and the edge is real, both personal, human, and planetary. Last night, I dreamed of my ancestors in Connecticut, a short visit, just enough to wave as I continue to move on from that story of half mile. We, that is Wynne and I, we search for a smaller, simpler home for the last chapter of our lives to be more on the edge of the community or the village, not to escape the death or the turning, the hospice that's needed now and in the days to come for both of us and our species, but rather the looking for the next chapter is more to be with it all in a new way. It is time for me again to slow down and feel even more the body, heart, mind, the earth, the communities we are connected to, so that my action and my prayer, the ones I make, are not to be more salt on the wounds. What better time to do that than now? The equinox, the fall, the harvest, the darkening of the light into the deepest time of winter. In the dream, I was in in the dream, I was with a group leading such but not not with a scripted agenda or plan. Well, not that I've ever actually had one. But this time, however, it was even more noticeable that it was not to be any instruction, teaching, or ceremony, process, or practice coming from some other time. I had many in my being to offer if they served, and as they served, But what was enlivening was being totally emergent, purely emergent, as the young ones name it these days. There were identities to be revealed, and we did this by drawing a line and then stepping across if the answer included us or not. Slowly, we were making a circle. I called out the questions. I had them come through easily and readily. We were in the quickening. And then, next door, I heard Joanna Macy was working with a group, and in synchrony or synchronized, we had come to the same place, it seemed, at the same time. I then reached out to her and was going to ask if we wanted to share what themes, what questions or what areas we would be introducing or attending to next. And then I laughed at myself, and I laughed with her at such an idea. We did not know. We could not know. And we needed not to know. Such 
was not possible if we wanted to be in the moment, in sync, in true connection and collaboration. What was happening? What leadership or guidance or participation needed from us or with us was simply arising. It came in the moment. It came with being with the moment. All that I had been gifted, knew, or had learned and shared was simply present, easily accessible. And everything now offered was both old and new, hybrid, improv, a response to this group, this time, to now. That was the dream. Back to the road. Back on the road. Remember the road? Just a couple of minutes after, the officer told us it would be maybe an hour. After I asked Wynne to please wait, the road opened up. Death, once again, had slowed us down, brought us to a stop, asked us to feel it close. And sitting there, Wynne had revisited his very own motorcycle crashes and felt life just maybe again in a new way. Thinking of those motorcyclists who come with such speed, I went to the unsafe speed inside of myself at times. And as well, I went to the big accident in our world. Motorcyclists moving at such high speeds, trying often to get away, to feel liberated by riding fast, by going to the edge of the ocean. I thought of my ancestors trying to get away by building more, moving to the edge, to the suburbs, building bigger and better. I know My appetite for speed has changed and is ever-changing as I feel into the truth of my body and this earth body. I am curious how I'll feed this hunger for liberation, for co-liberation, and be part of the healing needed now. I can rest at times in the not knowing and trust the dream, grateful to have watched those beautiful jellies.